0: Rebuilding Healthy Relationships, Part 4. Rebuilding Healthy Relationships. So this has been a study in the book of Philemon. I'm gonna, We're going to watch a video. This is a little bit longer video than I normally show. This is six minutes, but it is a great overview for you to understand the book we've been studying for several weeks. So it's six minutes well spent. So watch this overview of Philemon, and then we'll jump into it. All right. Is that 6 minutes well spent? Didn't that you just like I like the scribbling. It kind of gives us an overview. Now let's go in our text today Philemon chapter we're going to read uh, verse 17 to 22. Verse 17 to 22. You got some notes. So let's learn something new from the word of God as this one page book as I've spent Uh, A month now and four weeks has gotten bigger and brighter and more beautiful as everything does in the Bible when we stare at it. This word become flesh. All right, verse 17. If then you count me as a partner, that's that konea we just saw, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. Not to mention that you owe not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides yes brother let me have it. yes brother let me have joy from you in the lord refresh my heart in the lord having confidence in your obedience i write to you knowing that you will do even more than i say but meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me for i trust that through your prayers i shall be granted through your prayers i shall be granted to you Paul is going to lay out some values, some key ingredients in these verses to healthy relationships. Paul is going to lay out his personal values, and he's going to reflect and say, Philemon, you know, I know these are yours too. And we can stare and look at this. Before we go into our notes, I want to think about this kind of core values, these values Paul lays out. And I was thinking about us as a individual Christians, as a church. Just let me, uh, if you've been with us a while, you know this, but we have a vision here, a statement that hopefully is not a church thing, it's a Jesus thing. It's a, this is a great way to live your life. This is our, our vision statement, building a biblical community, one family at a time. This is what we want to do. We want to build, it's a process, a biblical, here's the inherent word of God, here's the power of God and a the salvation when I look at it and I turn it, the diamond sparkles and glows. He speaks to me. It's alive and active. Come on. It never loses its luster. Oh, come on. It's building a biblical community. That's why we have community hanging on that wall. It's, it's alive. It's active. It's relationships. It's you guys coming early and hanging out. It was great. If it, I, I'm going to do an experiment one day. I'm going to not come up here doing meet and greet and just see how long I can go. Every like 30 minutes, you guys are in here. It's like, oh, church over? Did pastor even speak? I'm going to see how that goes. Because you're a community, and we want to do it through the family. We are not the primary. um, We're not the heartbeat of spirituality. The home is. We are the support system. We're the gathering, the mobilizing, the celebrating. But the home is where um, this is really called the heartbeat of spirituality, where it happens. So that's our vision So how do we make that happen? I'm going somewhere with this. We have to have legs to that, right? We have how our legs are, our core values. These three core values is the way we accomplish that vision. One, we got to know God. You got to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You have to know, have the Holy Spirit who has sealed you and says, you're mine and I'm yours. You have to know him and you know his word. That's why we study and we honor the word. We want you to know God. I don't care if we have 10,000 people. I want every person to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, right? To be set free. Not only to know Him as Savior, but know Him as Lord. To know Him in a, that He gives security and peace and joy and confidence. Amen? And then we want to have another core value, and that's growing in community. We grow in community. And then we go near and far. We do what God called us to do no matter where it is. So those are our core values. So I'm relating that to this. Paul is going to write to Philemon and say, I've got some core values for healthy relationships. They're so powerful by the Holy Spirit, they can actually mend your relationship with Onesimus. And that's where we find our text today. Let's jump into it. Here we go. We've got some notes there. Let's look. Verse 17. If then you count me as a partner... Receive him as you would me. When he walks into your door, it's like I'm coming to you. You saw that video that makes it so clear. Paul puts a high value, number one in your notes. The value of unity. The value of unity. Paul says, without unity, there can't be healthy relationships, right? Jesus said this, unless two are agreed together, how can they walk? How can they walk unless they're agreed? So as an individual, as a couple, in marriage, in everything we're doing with relationships, the value of unity is so important. 1 Corinthians says this so clearly. 1 Corinthians 12. 12 and 13 for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that body being many are one body so also is Christ for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body whether greeks or Jew, jews whether Jews or Greeks whether slave or free and all have been made to drink into one spirit unity was a constant work in Paul's day unity will be a constant work in our day too. The churches were very diverse. The people, remember we had all kind of, we had uh, Jews who had married Greeks and back and forth and all these different things. Rome, Rome was an assimilating empire. So when you assimilate all these different people, you're going to have issues, but God was greater. So we need to know, all right, unity Is a core value. I'm constantly working at that to bring unity, to show unity everywhere I go and everything I do. That's what Paul does here. He uses that word partner. We are so, we are one. We are connected in this, tied together in this. There's actually a lot of uh, biblical records, you know, and accounts in Old Testament and New, about struggles with unity, even among Christians. And there's one specific one, Titus. So, Titus. In the Bible, we have a book written after him. Paul, it was a spiritual son of Paul, the book of Titus. Paul wrote to him, Titus was not apostle. Well, not an apostle. Lived after Titus also was not a Jew. This is a big deal. So we've got a non-Jew being a spiritual leader in the, in the early church, leading Jewish people. This was tough for some of those young believers, those new believers. They struggled. Paul, in fact, talks about it specifically in 2 Corinthians 8.23. Let me show you this. He says, if anyone inquires about Titus, he says, hey, look, you know, we got a a non-Jew leading these Jews. What's going on here? If anyone inquires about Titus, he is my partner. There's that word again, Cornelius, and fellow worker concerning you. Or if our brethren are inquired about it, We want to know why this is going on, because I don't know if I can follow this guy. Paul was very concerned about keeping unity in the the church. They, They are messengers of the churches, plural. He says, listen, I don't care where Titus goes. He's speaking on behalf of me and the Lord. Paul wanted to make sure that there was going to be unity wherever Titus went. The glory of Christ. That's a heavy statement that Titus is carrying the glory of Christ. Let's keep looking here. Verse 18, Philemon. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. The community of the saints does not destroy the distinction of personal property or debt, right? Paul couldn't send him back and say, look, Onesimus has given his life to the Lord. You just need to forgive him everything he owes you and whatever, how much money ever he had left as a servant, slave, just let that go too. Paul didn't do that. He didn't do that at all because he, he, he didn't want, he didn't want um, to overstep his bounds. So he had something else in mind you see this little book we're reading right here? This is actually a legal document. We don't think about that. So in the Roman Empire, because Paul says he's writing this with his own hand, when he sent this letter, he was actually sending a legal document, right? Letters were the main way for legal documents. And if someone put their signature, just like today, it was legally binding. So when Paul sends this letter to to Philemon, by the hand of Onesimus, he's actually sending the title for his debt. we got to think about it like that. He's saying, I'm not just saying I'll, I, I will um, forget, put it on my account. I'm not just saying that. I am bound legally to this thing because of that. Philemon could take this to the Roman court and say, Paul said he would acquire his debt. And they would say, yes, he will. He must. Or he's going to jail. So we need to see that it's a legal document. Number two on your notes. The value of restoration. Not only the value of of unity, the value of restoration. Paul takes that in. The value of restoration. This is what it said so clearly in Colossians 2.13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you, all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against you, which was contrary to you. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's a legal statement. That's what that is. It's a legal statement. And Paul says the value of restoration should be so important in our lives as Christians. All right, let's keep looking here. Verse 19. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay. There are no unnecessary details in the Bible, right? Not one, no unnecessary details. Why does Paul put that in there, and why does it matter to us? Why does that matter? Well, Paul gives us a description of himself at the beginning of this letter. Do you remember what that was? It's a physical description of who he is. What does he say about himself at the beginning? It's found in Philemon 1, 8, 9. We'll put it up on the screen. Philemon 1, 8, 9. Do you have that? There we go. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Verse nine. Yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you being such one as... What does it say? What does it say there? What's the physical description? Aged. That's not an encouraging one, is it? Uh, Aged. Paul the aged. There are no unnecessary details in the Bible. Now, Paul at this time in his life dictated and had people write the, the words for him, especially Colossians, um, Ephesians. There was five books, most probably written during his imprisonment. This is the only one he writes with his own hand. How do you think Paul's hands were laid in life after stonings, after hard tent work, after the years? You think he had a little arthritis? Yeah? You think they were stiff on those cold nights? Yeah? Not only were his hands stiff and hard, this would have been difficult, but what was the other ailment that Paul really struggled with, which is the whole reason why he had someone else dictate it? He had major eye problems, right? Probably he was almost blind. He would squint and strain. Paul was a genius. He was educated. He was a prolific writer. But he's old. How much longer do you think it would have taken Paul to do this than a pro writer? Three times as long, four times as long, ten times as long? How many times would he have had to, maybe if he messed something, have had to do it again or fix it, right? Think about the old man sitting there, long struggles, riding, staring at it, squinting using up all his limited energies and time left on this earth. Why did he do all that? Why, why, why? Number three on your notes. The value of sacrifice. Paul had a core value in his relationships. He valued sacrifice. He valued unity, he valued restoration, and he values sacrifice. He values it oh so high, especially when he writes about it again in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. That's almost contrary in our culture. But we as Christians, we value sacrifice. We look for it. We love it. We want it in our life. We want to say, where are the areas of my life that I'm self-sacrificing? The value of sacrifice. Let's keep looking. Verse 21. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. This is called a presumptive clause. I'm not a great English person, but I looked it up. It's right. A presumptive clause. Paul is writing presuming he already knows who the person of Philemon is and what he's going to do. Let's, let's put it in our terms. Okay, here we go. When we're done here and we, we worship a little bit more and we pray and we end our service, you don't walk out of the door and text your friend or look at your spouse and say, Are you going to eat lunch? Are we going to eat lunch? You don't say that. What do we say? Where are we going? (laughs) Like, where are we going? (laughs) What do you want for lunch? It's already assumed, right? This is also a presumptive clause. Why does Paul, by the hand of the living God, know in his spirit, I know you're going to do this. I know, in fact, you're going to do more than this, not because I'm twisting your arm, not because I'm doing any form of manipulation. There's no manipulation. It's pure and perfect. But I know you're going to do it. Why? There's got to be a reason. He knows this man. He spent time with this man. He's done ministry with this man. He's prayed with this man. He's been in the trenches with this man. He knows that something is beating in the heart of this man that will restore this relationship. And this is what Christianity has that the world doesn't. This is what we must proclaim. Number four on your notes. The value of divine hope. It's not a hope that that he'll better balance the books and make it happen. It's not a hope that his wife will twist his arm and make it happen. It's not a hope that, well, it'll be a good thing for him. No there is a divine hope in Paul because Paul knows what's in the heart of Philemon. It is no less than God himself, a man who's been brought from death to life, a man who was dead in his sins and trespasses, but has been brought alive, a man who beats with the heart of God, a man who beats with sacrifice and unity. He knew this. He knew this, and he had a divine hope about the relationship restoration, despite the, the slavery in the Roman Empire, despite the issues, despite when it would cost him personally, what it would do to his checkbook. He knew it. Christians, this is us. You look at every relationship and you say, God, there is a divine hope. If there is a Christian that you've been broke, a broken relationship or a a family member or whatever it is, you say, if it was just us, if I was up to my ability, it would be discouraging. But there is a divine hope, Beating in me and it's beating in them. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. We view relationships differently. We talk about them differently. We understand them differently. Even death, we talk about it so differently because we're excited that they're going to be reunited united face to face with their Savior. The value of divine hope. I've been kind of out the last couple weeks, you know, juggling life and all that kind of stuff. So every Wednesday morning, uh, we do men's prayer. You know, it's what we do. I was forced to do it when I was an intern. So they, they forced me to do it when I was an intern. I got, I'm got i going to force the church to do it. <laughs> I'm joking. It's just one of my favorite things in the week. 6.30 a.m., drink some coffee. Guys, come in here. We just talk a little bit. We pray, do some worship. So I was out the last couple weeks. You know, I'm taking care of kids and wife and all that. So Kellen took care of it. We got people who have keys that can run everything. We didn't miss a beat, a beat here. That's a wonderful thing. So I got a text on Wednesday. said, hey, prayer went really great. Great prayer time. Some new guys come. Just excited about it. I thought, hmm. You see, I wasn't surprised. Not because Kellen and Dickie and Larry and Josh. Not because they're so great and amazing. That's not why I have unbelievable joy and faith because they have divine hope, because I know it's not them. It's Christ in them that the spirit of the Lord groans and moves and works in them above their ability, above even their desire to sleep or to rest. It's God moving in them. Amen. That's the way we see our relationships. Every one of them. That's why we have such close, intimate Christian relationships. There's a divine Hope, and we need to think about that, talk about it. Christ in us, the hope of glory, as the Bible proclaims. All right, let's keep going here. Last one. But meanwhile, it gets real personal now. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that though, that through your prayers I shall be granted to you. What a unique way to end uh, a a uh, a letter, and that God, in His infinite wisdom, of all things, He would want this in there, and us to know this. I want you to prepare a guest room for me. I want you to get something ready for me, and it's not just about the physical. I want you to put me on your prayer list, and I want you to start praying. That prayer is greater than the Roman Empire. That prayer is more powerful than Caesar. That prayer is more powerful than injustice. More powerful than false accusations. Betrayal by my own countrymen, the Jews. That I'll be delivered to you. That we'll be sitting having some good food, hanging out again together. It's such a a practical, I mean just... Hey, get the house ready, right? Clean it up. Get the gumbo going. We're going we're to hang out. Get the room ready. Clean those sheets. It's so practical. And it's so highly spiritual. I want you to start praying. I want you to start praying because there's certain things you can do in the physical, but for me to ever show up at your house, it's going to have to be supernatural. This is a beautiful picture of healthy relationships. You should always be holding two things in your hand, Christians. We say there is a practical side to this relationship. I have a responsibility to do these very practical things. And I have this responsibility also to do the supernatural. And I'm going to get a hold of both of them. And I'm not going to let them go. This is the way we do relationships. And I got a hold of both of them. And I thank God for what I can do in the natural. And I thank God for what he can do in the supernatural. Amen. I've been thinking about this. And the Lord's really been working in me also this phrase and this statement. God, by the hand of Paul, is calling Philemon up to a place of responsibility. And God has been doing that in me also in the last few uh, months and years. That responsibility lifestyle has been really beating in me. Like, Stephen, you're going to have to be more responsible. And I know that sounds maybe like a kid thing, but <laughs> we all in, in this area for the kids in this, for this, for that. Stephen, I want you to live a lifestyle of high responsibility. And I know I've talked about that in previous sermons, but I look at it again, I'm like, that's what God's calling Philemon to. He's already serving the Lord. He's a mature Christian, and God is saying, Philemon, I want you to come up a little higher, a little bit more. I want you to surrender a little bit more. And you'll have to sacrifice a little, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to give you. I'm going to do miracles. In fact, people through the ages will see this relationship. Number five on your notes. The value of responsibility. If you want healthy relationships, value responsibility. Amen. We know that. But I just I love the way he made it so practical that anyone can do. But he made him get the house ready. But that wasn't enough. He said, that's not enough. You're a God follower, Philemon. You're sanctified in the blood of Jesus. You need to be aware that you got supernatural power, and I'm not going to let you off the hook for that. I was thinking about this in my own life. So Megan went into labor. My wife, uh, what day is this? Um, Sunday, (laughs) Thursday morning at 2 AM. Wake up, wake up. All right, we're good. I'm, I'm feeling tubs. I'm doing this. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Make sure the kids are anesthetized. All that kind of stuff. There may have, may, may or may not been Benadryl involved. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not. So, I'm doing all the things. I'm the water boy. I'm, I'm making sure there's water, water. Drink the water. Drink the water. The midwives are doing their things. There's, there's very little I can do, right? There's just you can't do much. So I'm doing what I can do. But, you know, a couple hours into it, just reaches over and she grabs my hand and says, Stephen, will you pray for me? I said, yeah, yeah, of course. She said, I want you to, to pray that scripture you prayed a few days ago. We kind of honed in on Isaiah 41. You know, Lord, just a scripture just sits with you. It just stays with you. So I grabbed the, the card and we just prayed. And I thought, oh, God. It's good that I can get the water. Thank you for strength. I can do the t- I can do all those physical things. Come on, men. We 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 take care of things, right? That's what we do. But oh King of the universe, that's not enough. Oh God of glory who saved me, I have to get on my knee and say, In faith, you want to increase your prayer life? Start praying for people. You can't, you can't fake it. You gotta learn, you gotta grow your prayer life praying for people. God, I gotta, in this difficult time, in this scary time. Say, Lord, God of heaven, here's your word, and I pray that it would supernaturally move on her. Amen? This happens all the time in our life. Every day in your relationships, you start saying, I'm going to do the practical. Let's get up and clean the kitchen and make the coffee and whatever else you got to do. And God of heaven, I'm going to grab a hold of the supernatural that Rome itself cannot hold back. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Supernatural unity, me set free from prison, all those things. And if we look through history, it all happened. Because of Philemon and his family. Amen? Our Philemon. Let's stand up. Oh, we're doing good on time. Y'all can ask that question about lunch. I'll have plenty of time. (laughs) Let's look at one last scripture as we reflect on these values here in Romans 10. Excuse me, Romans 12, verse 10. Listen to the highly practical and the highly supernatural. They're not separate. We must always have both. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. diligence, That's just work. It's the word just like plowing. That's what it's like. Just plow the field. Fervent in spirit. Supernatural. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continually, continuing steadfastly in what? Plow the field and Pray. Plow the field, get up and go to work, and pray, and have the supernatural. So this is, our, this is our call. This is our fork the road for today. God of heaven and earth, would you make us so healthy relationally that we have both in our daily life? Y'all, I'm, I'm bringing myself to the same line as you guys, amen? God of heaven and earth, I got to have both. You died on the cross for me to have both, Amen. I'm gonna tell you, you hear the highlight of of me praying for my wife, but I'm gonna honestly, our prayer life has struggled. It's not, it's been difficult for us. You know, we got a bunch of kids, and you're just exhausted. And it's been hard. We actually do well with Bible reading and talking prayer. We struggle with. It's it's up and down. Like it'll be good, and then, you know, a week, two weeks. Oh yeah, I have a wife. You know, it's just real life. You just get busy and tired. and So this fills, fills me with faith right here. This fills me with hope and perseverance, and I want to do it again and do it better. Amen? That's, let's all come to that line right now. Let's all do it together. Come on, come on. Let's come to Jesus. Oh, Father, the God of great unity and restoration, the God of sacrifice, the God who brings divine hope, and the God who values responsibility. Oh, what responsibility. Oh, that he sent his only Savior, his only Son, and died on the cross to be our Savior. Oh, that he sent Jesus. Oh, what responsibility. So, Lord, we come to you, all of us, as Christ followers today. We, we come and we say, Lord, we'll work. But we got to get up. we got to clean. we got to cook. we got to sacrifice. We, we've got to do all those things. Set appointments. Do that. We understand. We want it. We receive it, Lord. We, we'll take the responsibility because that will shine like a city on a hill. And then, Lord, we recognize and know there's a whole other supernatural element, too. We don't battle against flesh and blood. We want supernatural power in our life. We want spiritual relationships and prayer relationships and relationships that pray together and talk about the things of God together and intercede together for each other, Lord. That's what we want. That's what you've called us to. So, Lord, we step up to the line. Holy Spirit, put it in us. Seal it in us. Put this word in us, Lord, that we have both, just like Paul and Philemon had. We have both, just like he wanted Onesimus and Philemon had. We will have it all too, Lord, through the wonder, wondrous glory. cross through the power of God by the Holy Spirit. We receive it. Now Lord, forgive us if we've been dominant in one. That's the natural way. We're dominant usually in one. But Lord, I thank you that you're making us whole and healthy in both the practical and the supernatural. Both the everyday, even mundane, and the Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, praying, speaking, prophesying word of God in us mightily. We have both. We are not lacking any good thing, for Christ is all in all. And everyone said amen and amen. Now let's just praise him and let's thank him for it. Thank you for it, Lord. We receive it. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day.